us today on episode number 162 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So lots of people when they start running, and especially when they start training for longer races, always ask about fueling. So today we're talking about fueling for runners, about general ideas, as well as pre, during, and post-run fuel. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today it's all about fueling like a runner. I feel like we get a lot of questions about how to fuel during my long runs and what should I eat before a long run? What should I eat after a long run? So today we're going to put all of that into perspective. We're going to talk about those things about before, during, and after your runs, but also kind of put it in the big picture of nutrition as a whole. Because that's that's a big thing, but everybody has that question. What do I eat before? Okay, now what do I eat during? Yeah. What do I eat if it's an hour long? What do I eat if I'm running for an hour and a half? When do I eat if it's an hour mm-hmm. and a half? And then how quickly do I have to eat after? And what are the exact number of grams of protein that I should eat within 10 minutes of finishing my run? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, there are nuances in out there, and there's lots of research out there that we can point to and we're going to be going through some of that today for sure and giving you guys recommendations but we want to start off with the bigger picture here okay because as a runner you are an athlete and as an athlete you should always be taking care of yourself with proper nutrition because like we tell everyone on our real life runners training team what you do right before during or right after a run is the tip, it's its the tip of the triangle, like the base. If you look at, if you think of your nutrition as a base, as a pyramid, okay, you got to take care of that base first. Like you have to work on having good nutrition because then the pre, middle, and post, you know, run nutrition doesn't really make that much of a difference if you have just overall crappy nutrition. You make me make me laugh when you start talking about nutrition and then you throw a pyramid because it just brings us back to the food pyramid that the two of us were taught when oh, we were in like yes. third grade. Right. Like make sure you have a solid base of six to eight servings of grain during the day. <laughs> yeah, things, was... things have slightly changed <laughs> since then. <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah. I mean, and that that's kind of – that's actually good that you brought that up, you know, um, because – a lot of us did grow up with that kind of mentality, right? Like the six to 10 servings of grain and then however much, I don't even remember the order that it was in because <laughs> I just it was remember so there was a up. lot of grain at the bottom. There was a lot of grain at and the bottom. And then above it, there were like some then protein and then fruits and vegetables. Well, there was dairy in there too. Oh, dairy had its own level yeah, to it. Yeah, there was like a whole section on dairy. Yeah, make sure you have a lot of milk. Right. And so, you know, when we grow up with these kinds of messages from the government, the media, everybody telling us what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat, what's good for you, what's not good for you. The issue with all of that is that that information is seems to be constantly changing almost. Right, because it is constantly changing because it comes out and it's like the best plan that based off of like the knowledge they've got and then maybe a few outside influences to help them kind of tailor that knowledge. Right. And I don't want to just gloss over that either. You know, like if you actually look in and start reading about the way that nutritional guidelines were created back in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, a lot of it was because the meat industry did, you know, certain things or the dairy industry did certain things. And so all of these nutritional guidelines were created 
because of lobbyists and because certain industries were pushing their agendas because they wanted people to buy their products. Right. So it was a combination of this is a good way of eating and, okay, well, we probably think it should be like two servings of whatever it is. But we were influenced and we're going to bump that up and say that it's four daily servings of whatever that thing is. Right. And like one of the classic examples of this is red meat. Like when yes. when they people looked at red meat, um, the original study, I think it was back in the, I can't remember if it was the 50s, 60s or 70s. Um, it might have been the 50s. But they were saying that we needed to limit meat intake, specifically red meat. And then the cow industry, the meat industry... Went, said no. Went bonkers and said, well, you can't say that. You can't just tell people <laughs> to limit red meat. What's going to happen to our business? What's going to happen to the farms? What's going to happen to all of this this stuff? And so the U.S., they changed it. Instead of saying limit red meat, which is actually what the study showed mm-hmm. was the issue, they said, oh, you should limit saturated fat because it's probably the saturated fat in the red meat that's causing the problem when that's not actually what the research showed. Right. That was from the fifties. That's what I thought. Yeah. That one goes way back. Yeah. That's what I thought. That was like all the way back in the fifties. Yeah. I teach that to like my freshman bio kids and they're like, wait, that's, that's a thing. That's like, that's real. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is a thing. And so a, a lot of people don't even realize that that's what happens. And a lot of the nutritional guidelines out there are based on either very old and outdated research. Um, including research that may have been funded by different companies and industries so that the results aren't maybe exactly accurate. Right. I mean, or they're just kind of slanted one way or the other. Like people think that science is science. And unfortunately it's just not always the case. Like whenever you're looking at a research study, you really need to look at who funded that research study because results can be slanted one way or the other based on the outcome that you want them to have. Sure. Science is science unless it's like funded by like Nestle or the Mars company. And then suddenly like candy moves a little bit further down the pyramid and you should have six to eight servings of that every day. Ooh, now we're talking. So that kind of brings us back to this idea of like, what is good nutrition? Because there's so many different diets out there. And obviously the diet industry, the diet culture um, is all over the place. And there are people that say you should eat no carbohydrates. And there's people that say you should eat, you should count your macros. And there's vegetarians and there's vegans and there's keto and there's all these different paleo, you know, uh, diet camps that people fall into. So it just confuses a lot of people. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck in the whole nutrition world. Right. And then, I mean, you start getting into any of these diet things and it kind of puts certain foods as good foods and certain foods as bad foods. Mm -hmm. And that, I I have an issue with that. Food's not morally good or or bad. It's it's just food. Um, I mean, ultimately, food is... It's more than this, but on like a very fundamental food is what's going to help you feel better from your previous workout and build you back stronger because if your previous workout broke you down, you need the fuel to put it back Mm -hmm. or it's what's going to prepare you for your next workout. Like food is the fuel. It's more like you argue and and point out very rightfully so that food is also what brings people together. Like Mm -hmm. there's this whole like sitting down and joining for a meal and like creating food for another person can be an amazing gift and things of that nature but food is also fuel it's not good or bad it's it's fuel and it just needs to be the proper fuel right and so what does proper nutrition look like okay because the thing is it looks different for different people okay what's right for you might not be right for someone else because it 
just varies based on a lot of different things. Your own gut microbiome is also a really big factor here. And there's a lot of research being poured into that area of nutrition right now to kind of look at the different bacteria in your gut and food sensitivities and food intolerances and allergies. And there's all sorts of information out there that just keeps coming out on a daily basis. And it's fantastic to look at. But basically, proper nutrition looks like a good balance of carbohydrates, protein, and healthy fats. And in our opinion, there really should be no food groups that are off limits unless you have an allergy or a sensitivity to them. Right. You point out that it is a proper balance. It's what that balance is that kind of varies between different people. Correct. Like the two of us standing here have a different balance of these different nutrients. Mm -hmm. We have different training loads. We have different bodies. And, and, you know, you may have noticed we're different genders. So (laughs) there's a whole lot of different stuff going on over here. And hormones play a really big... That's why I pointed that one out. Yeah, I mean, they, they play a really big role in how your body metabolizes different types of foods. Your hormones play a huge role... Not just the gender hormones, but other types of hormones in your body. There are some main hormones that kind of regulate your your hunger hormones, right? And whether or not you feel satisfied and satiated like and those levels are different and there's a lot of information out there about this and intermittent fasting and regular fasting and all sorts of stuff out there and like Kevin said we're not going to get into the details of like those specific things today but ultimately there is some sort of balance that you need to find between carbs protein and fat that's right for your body so in our example um kevin needs a lot more carbohydrates than i do because go me <laughs> yay um because number one of your body type you know number one is is the way that kevin is built he's just like a furnace like you your metabolism just burns off all sorts of food yes very very quickly and i've i've heard interviews with some other i mean and i don't put myself anywhere near their category but apparently have a similar metabolism to certain professional runners Mm -hmm. that when they tried to up their distance from like a 5k 10k and up it to a marathon they really struggled to figure out how to put enough food into them because they were burning carbohydrates too quickly right that it was difficult for them they like they hit the wall and hit it hard over and over again because it was difficult to get enough carbs into them because they're body was like, ooh, easy to burn carbs, gone. And it was like, you know, a, a gel pack that should last you a few miles, technically in the whole like calorie burn thing, they were burning off like as they sucked it down. Mm. It was like, it was as though they weren't putting fuel into their body. Right. And so they needed to try and come up with a, the way to deal with that. I happen to burn ca- carbohydrates rapidly, mm. which means I eat carbohydrates all the time. I'm just, I'm sitting here right now actually enjoying a potato. A potato? <laughs> yep. That's, that's what I'm choosing. That's, that's what you chose. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, you, you, but you also default to very healthy options too, like in general. Like Kevin as a kid would enjoy like an apple for dessert instead of a bowl of ice cream. Like, but you, you just kind of have that tendency. But I think it's important because you in your body types, if you ate too much protein and fats and didn't get enough carbohydrates, like what would happen is the, the protein and the fat, that they would keep you satisfied too long so that you wouldn't actually get all the calories that your body needs. Right. And that's, this is what we found when we were kind of playing with our, you know, our diet and our all the things that I've been learning because I'm constantly learning things. I'm constantly trying to figure out better ways to eat, better ways to exercise, better ways to do things, to make things more efficient, right? So I played around 
a couple years ago with um, a higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet for myself. And then Kevin kind of, since I'm the one that cooks in the family, Kevin kind of went along with it too. And it didn't really work out as well for you. No, it didn't work out for me because I was full after the meal and had not taken in enough carbohydrates. And so just enough calories, period. Like calories are energy. Like we have to think of it that way. That's what a calorie is. is It's a unit of energy and you just weren't getting enough to fuel what you were doing. Right. Because fats and proteins, they, you just get, you feel more full and more satisfied quicker. So I would be able to eat food and feel as though I was full and satisfied and it was not anywhere near enough energy going into me at the rate that I was burning the stuff off. Right. So the balance of carbs, protein, and fats are different for different people. So I need a lot less carbohydrates than Kevin does, but I might need more than somebody else, right? So you kind of have to figure out based on your body type, based on how active you are outside of running also, that makes a big difference. What kind of job do you have? Are you walking around all day long where you get like 10,000 steps easily or are you pretty much seated most of your day where you have to really work and be consciously aware of getting more than like 2,000 steps. I mean, I know that there are some days I'll look at my watch if I if it's not a running day and I'll it'll be noon and I'll have like 2,000 steps or 1,500 steps. I'm like, oh, shoot, like I really need to move my body more. This has been a big issue during lockdown is yeah. people are working from home, so they don't even have to like walk around an office anymore. Like mm-hmm. even if you had a job where you were sitting, you may periodically get up and go to the bathroom and right. down the hall is further than around like down the hall of your house. Mm-hmm. It's at least down the hall of an office. You're not even getting those steps in anymore. And so suddenly people are like, well, I didn't leave the house. I have 400 steps and it's dinner time. Yeah. So, you know... Your activity level also makes a big difference in what that proper balance looks like for you. So does your training level. So does your training level, absolutely. But what it comes down to is that all runners need carbohydrates, protein, and fats. So there are, you know, carbohydrates right now have kind of gotten to be the villain. Everybody wants to be on low-carb diets. Everybody wants to increase their fat intake. That's because bacon's delicious. Because bacon's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) But all runners need carbs. If you are a runner, you need carbohydrate. But that amount varies from runner to runner based on body type, goals, and training levels, amongst other things. But one of the things you need to be aware of is that the weight on the scale, like might go up a little bit because you do need carbs. This happens to me. Like if I'm training, I, it's funny because people are like, Oh, I, you know, running is the way for me to keep my weight in check. And I've noticed that as I increase my running, my weight does tend to go up a little bit because I think it's a combination of things. Number one muscle. Okay. You, You know, when you're building muscle, um, you're, you tend to weigh more because you're putting more muscle on. Right, because the muscle is just more dense. So you just, you, you look kind of similar. You actually may even look more toned and slimmed down, but right. the number on the scale goes up. Because of the density of the muscle, correct. But the other thing is, you know, what you're doing is creating more glycogen stores within your muscles. Now, glycogen is the way that carbohydrates are stored in the muscles so that they're ready to use when you need them. And when you're a runner and you need lots of glycogen to fuel you on your run, you create more glycogen stores like your glycogen stores get bigger and glycogen also helps you to hold on to water so therefore it's a good thing right like as a runner you want to have energy readily available for you in and your, water in glycogen and you need the water right and especially when it's hot right so but that's going to increase 
the weight that you see on the scale. So just be aware of that, especially if, if you are the kind of person that is very tied to the weight or you know, you're always checking your weight and you're worried about this, this kinds of thing, you might still look more athletic, look more toned. Like, you know, as a runner, we all wanna have a strong, toned, muscular body, right? So you might still have the look you want. You might even notice that your clothing sizes are going down, but the weight on the scale might be the same or might even go up a little bit depending on your training load. That's why I think you know a lot of people are surprised to, to know that a lot of people end up gaining weight when they're marathon training, especially. Oh, definitely marathon training because if you go off on these runs, especially if you go off on a long run and you haven't like eaten a lot beforehand, what you're really telling your body is, all right, I need you to make sure that you store as much glycogen as possible for next time because you didn't have enough this time. Mm -hmm. So it does a better better job of storing more and more glycogen and the glycogen then comes with water. This is also how you know, like right before a race, uh, like a really long race that you're carbo loading for, that you're carbo loading correctly. Like in the two days before a marathon, when I start really carbo loading, I can quickly put on five pounds mm. and almost all of it's pure water. Water and glycogen, yeah. Right. Like there's, it, you're increasing the glycogen stores with the supplemental goal of increasing your stored water because over the course of the marathon, you're just not going to drink enough water. You're going to get dehydrated. So you build up the water. Water stores also. Yeah, but I, I really want to point out what you just mentioned there as well. Um, when you don't give your body enough fuel to fuel the activity that you're doing, you're telling your body that it didn't have enough and it needs to store more for next time. Yeah. Right. And so some people call this like starvation mode. It's not actually starvation mode. But what what you're doing is when you don't refuel properly, if you aren't taking in enough calories, your body knows that it's at a deficit. So it tries to store more of that so that next time when you go out for your long run, it has more of a, a storage to kind of pull from. Right. Right. So this is where people are like, what do you mean I have to eat more if I want to lose weight? And it's like, well, you have to tell your body that more is coming. Like your body remembers these kinds of things. So if you are just chronically depriving yourself and in a calorie deficit all the time, especially if you're in a calorie deficit while you're training for marathons, your body just gets used to that. So it just tries to hold on to whatever it is that you do give it. Which basically shuts down your metabolism. It's Not like good. you're you're getting no afterburn off of a long run. You're getting calorie burn plenty during your long run, but you're going to get nothing afterwards. Your body's basically realizes I don't have enough fuel. I need to hold on to what I have, mm -hmm. and I need to increase my load for next time, which is probably not the benefit that people are, are aiming for right. off of it. Which is some why people are. Some people are, and 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 but this is why that you know what you do all the time matters more than it like yes we're talking about you need to refuel yourself after a long run of course but your nutrition all day every day matters in how you feel as a runner all right so we've got you, you need to take in these carbohydrates we've covered that but you also need to take in proteins and fats mm -hmm. why do you need to take in the proteins well proteins are the building blocks of muscles so if you don't have so every time you do a hard workout like a long run or speed work or anything at like a moderate to high intensity or strength work or strength training you're breaking your body down and when you break your body down your body needs to rebuild itself back stronger that's 
the whole point of working out. Anytime you lift weights, you do HIIT workouts, like anything moderate to high level of intensity, you're breaking down the muscles. And so you need the protein to help rebuild those muscles stronger than they were before. Yeah. If you picture your body essentially as a brick wall, your workout kind of chips away at some of the bricks and you need to give it more bricks to replace the ones that are broken and damaged. Or at least some cement. Yes. Kind of patch them up. There you go. So you, <laughs> you need to you need protein because protein is what makes makes the muscles. Plus, plenty of other things inside your body that protein does. But one of the biggies and one of the most obvious and easy ones to point to is it helps rebuild the muscles that you're breaking down. Right. You also need fats. You also need. Why fats. do you need the fats? Um. Well. Two, two main reasons. Number one, fats help you feel more satisfied. Okay, so people that are concerned about their food intake, the quantity of food intake, if you take in healthy fats, you're... It just there's a lot of things within the healthy fats that just help your brain feel more satisfied. You get fuller quicker also. Um, and it's just it releases other hormones into the blood because part of what fats do also is there are certain vitamins and minerals and hormones that are fat soluble. So you can only get those in or at least retain those kinds of things when you eat them with fat. So like if you ever take a multivitamin, a lot of times it says make sure you take this with food. That's because of the fat soluble vitamins that kind of need that to hang on to to actually be absorbed into the body. So you probably shouldn't take your multivitamin with like a couple of dry crackers and call that a day because it's really that you need to take it with something that's going to have some sort of fat level to it. Most of the time, that's why they say it. You know, I mean, sometimes people, like certain vitamins can upset people's stomachs. Right. Part of it is that you don't want to take on an empty stomach. That's a lot of the issues with various medications. But with vitamins, a lot of the issue is that you have to take something so that you can actually absorb the fat-soluble vitamins. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they just pass through you. And then you just have really expensive pee. Yeah, and that's not fun for anybody. But the thing is, you know, again, going back to carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, you need all three of these things. You just might need them in different ratios, depending on who you are, what you're doing, all that good stuff. But you do, in fact, need all of them. And part of it, much like running itself, is a little bit of an experiment to see how the ratios go. Mm -hmm. But we frown on cutting any of them out because you need them all. They all play an important role. It's just a matter of how much you need them on on any given basis. Yeah, I mean, we frown on cutting anything out. And that includes, like, candy or ice cream or anything like that if that's are if those are things that you like that make you happy I feel like they need to be included in your nutrition plan but in certain amounts again like you don't want to sustain like a Snickers bar for a snack every day is not a good idea but if you want to have it every now and then because it just makes you happy to have a Snickers bar then by all means and of course I'm not advocating anything here but no, but it has fat in it, and that's why it satisfies. There you go. That's why their commercial's not lying. That's why, that's <laughs> why you can go from like being a really mean person to a normal person again? Yes, yeah. something to that effect. <laughs> also why we've got you know Halloween coming up, also known as time for dad to steal the kids' candy celebration. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Halloween this year. It's I don't the think, weirdest day. I don't think we're going trick-or-treating, so no. I think it's just going to be like, hey, let's buy some candy and enjoy. And put, keep our masks on. <laughs> Which kind of masks? Like the... Typical face masks or... I'm going as a surgeon this Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) You and a lot of other people, I'm sure. Right, so there's always those people out there, you you know, you see the t-shirts all the time, like the slogans of, I run for the cookies or I run for the... 
wine or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, I run for the bagels. I run for the donuts is a good one. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it's just because that's my partial. <laughs> <laughs> You're partial to donuts. <laughs> Quite yeah. possibly. Maybe you came up with I run for the wine and I came up with I run for the donuts <laughs> for a good reason. For a good reason. So, you know, if you are a runner, there's nothing wrong with having some of these treats every now and then like these all of these things can be integrated into your nutrition plan in our opinion right even elite athletes integrate these kinds of things into their nutrition plan 100 percent. you it's not that that is necessarily like exactly what they eat on the starting line that might not be the thing and it's not an every single day i mean unless it's like the beer mile right sure there's also like there was a bacon run around here at some point like a year or two ago burrito miles there's all All sorts sorts of of crazy competitions but there's nothing wrong with these in fact you can also use these treats to help try and establish a habit it's just that you might not want to be like okay I went for a two-mile run today so I can start my habit of trying to run on a regular basis or I did my strength routine today so I'm going to celebrate it with like a giant cheeseburger and a huge order of french fries. Like that's not that's not an appropriate balance. Like you don't have to ban food from from your diet, but you have to make sure that the the reward if if that's what you're using sort of as a reward to try and establish another healthy routine that it doesn't just cancel everything out essentially. Yeah, I mean you definitely don't want to be canceling out your hard work, but it's also I think that when you start running and you start becoming a healthier person, when you choose to be a runner and choose to become a healthier person, you're naturally not going to want as much of that stuff anymore. I think that just, that's just kind of naturally comes along with it because you start to realize how those foods affect you. And again, that goes back to, uh, you know, us saying nothing should be off limits unless it affects you poorly. Like if you don't tolerate dairy, then you shouldn't eat dairy. Like you shouldn't eat the ice cream. Even if you like ice cream, if it really messes up your stomach, like you should probably try to avoid that. Like I know I've, I have some friends that are lactose intolerant that still really want a bowl of ice cream sometimes. They're like, well, I know that I'm going to have a stomach ache later, but I want to do it anyway. But it's worth it. Right. But when you start to have that kind of awareness on how the foods affect your body, then you can make those choices and understand the consequences that might come with them. Right. So there are some days as a teacher, people like to bake goods for us. And we have a couple of like teacher appreciation days during the year and like certain weeks and stuff that... I know that there's going to be all sorts of baked goods, and I love baked goods of any kind. Really, any kind of baked goods of any flavor, they're phenomenal. I make sure I get my run in that morning, like because I'm not going to be able to run that afternoon. It's just not going to go very well, oh, okay. because the combination of the amount of treat that I would eat, because I'm like, I'm not going to do this all the time. It, there's literally like teacher appreciation day. There's a lot of school days and there's one where there's just way too many baked goods that just like overflow the teacher's lounge. And I sample many of them. Mm-hmm. I can't run that afternoon because my stomach hurts and it was a hundred percent worth it because they're all delicious. And I will look <laughs> at them and be like, mm, that one's store-bought, that one's store-bought, but I might sample that because it's good. Oh, I know who made that one. I should maybe have one of those. Yeah. And I'll go through and I'll be picky about it and not have every single thing sitting there, but I'm not going to put them off. I also plan my workout around that and know I'm not going to be able to run great that afternoon. And I might not feel that great even the next morning when I'm running because I'm going to pay the price for it. 
I just accept it. Yeah, but I, I like that, you know, when you first said that you make sure you run that morning, it's not because you're like, oh, I have to earn my treat. No, that's not at all why I have to run that morning. It's not a, I, I better burn off several calories in the morning because I'm going to eat them this afternoon. It's, well, I'm going to run today and I can't do it in the afternoon, so I may make sure that I can fit it in in the morning. Right. And some people might be listening to this and be like, oh, okay, Kevin, like, you know, Mr. Carbohydrate Burner, like, that's good for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, you know, I don't think there's anything to apologize for, but I, but I think that all of us, even those of us that don't burn carbs as wonderfully and readily as you, still need to understand that, like, it, we can't allow ourselves to get into this mindset of, the, it's like a deprivation mindset, the fact that we have to earn our calories, like, that this is not a healthy mindset around food, and I think that that's one of the really important things for us to become aware of. If you feel like you need to earn your calories, that is not the mindset that you want. You need to have, flip that and switch over to, I am an athlete, I am a runner, and this is just part of my fueling plan. Like This is just part of how I eat, and it's okay. Is it perfect 100% of the time? No. Is it pretty darn good 80 to 90%? Yes. Like That, like, that goes back to 80-20. We talk about 80-20 running. Eight, it's the same for your diet too. Like, And when I say diet, I mean just the food that you eat not the fact that you're depriving yourself because I don't like that word of diet. No, diet just means the food you take in. Yeah, just the food that you that you choose to eat. Because you deserve there you don't deserve food or not deserve food based on the amount of workout that you did that day or that week. No, no, the food is simply what you're going to take in and you can decide what that is to make you feel as good and as strong and as healthy as you want to be feeling and you know it's not that you need to eat the exact right thing because you have a workout coming that that afternoon or you need to get your workout in that morning because you're going to go out with friends that night and you might have like an extra drink and you got to make sure you burn off those calories beforehand that's that's the wrong mindset that suggests that the workout then gets this treat at the end does that mean that if you didn't do the workout then you don't deserve a treat because that seems to be really sad yeah i mean and it's just it's not the healthiest relationship with food really and you know we want you guys to start thinking about food not only as fuel like kevin said but that is a big part of it food is fuel you are a runner you need to fuel your body properly but food is also something that you can enjoy and not have to feel guilty about because you know as a runner that you are a healthy person and you make good choices the majority of the time so that when you have meals that maybe aren't the quote unquote healthiest you don't have to feel bad about it like people talk about the cheat meals and cheat days like what are you cheating on? You know, like it's just a choice that you're making. Every food that you decide to eat is a choice that you're making. And overall, if you make healthy choices that are good for your body, you know, I'll put quotes around healthy because what's healthy for one person is not the same as another person. Like Kevin said, he needs more carbs. I don't like, so if he doesn't get enough, that's not healthy for him. He needs to have that amount. Um, but if I had more as many carbs as Kevin, that would not be healthy for me. Right. But the, the foods that you make, as long as you're making good, positive choices most of the time, then if you make a choice that you might you could argue is not the healthiest of choices. You know, you go for like the extra dessert or like whatever the thing is. I love extra dessert. Right? It's fantastic. <laughs> it's like the the dessert from the dessert. Like I had my meal, then I had dessert, and then I had second dessert. <laughs> second dessert. It's bonus. Um, like fourth meal. But oh God, but it's it's not 
a bad thing. And if you, as you're enjoying it, are telling yourself, this is bad, I shouldn't be doing this, then you're not enjoying that. If right. you go out with out to dinner with friends and you look down the, the menu and you're like, well, I guess I'll just get this like small side salad and I'll have some dressing on the side and I'll just drizzle a little bit. If you're out to dinner... Just enjoy the experience of being out to dinner rather than be so concerned that you have to make sure that it's exactly the appropriate things to eat on that night. Because just like a a running training plan, there's going to be days where that run does not go exactly correct. There's going to be meals that it's not exactly what, you know, whatever nutritionist might say is the perfect meal for you. It's still going to be okay if overall you have a very healthy diet. Right, exactly. And so that'll kind of, that brings us into our fueling, like our pre-run, our mid-run, our post-run fueling, we can start to get into these kinds of things, understanding that you need to focus on the whole of your diet first, the whole of your nutrition plan, and make sure that you're eating good nutrition as a runner that fuels your body, that has a good balance of carbs, proteins, and fats, at least eight, like around 80% of the time. If, if you don't have good nutrition, then what you do right around the run is really just, that's just kind of like the, the tip, the sprinkles, and the icing on the cake. It's not, you, you need to make sure that that cake is is good because the icing won't do as much then if it's so you're saying for pre-run fueling we should have cake with icing (laughs) excellent you just put a packet of icing and and like a little snack bag that's kind of like those goos and gels right pretty much is cream cheese frosting i don't know about the cream cheese frosting but (laughs) but that's better than buttercream (laughs) yeah i don't know just some sort of just straight up sugary product is kind of your your mid-run fuel but we'll get there we'll get there so make sure that your nutrition is on point generally first and then you can kind of worry more about the pre-run the mid-run the post-run all of these details right so from like the running perspective make sure that your overall running plan is good like if you're like okay I haven't really trained at all for this half marathon. My longest run has been six miles. How fast do you think I should take out the opening mile of the race? Like the speed of your opening mile is less important than the fact that you didn't train a long run and you have no base for it. The same thing happens with nutrition. If you don't have an overall base of health, then the exact fuel you take during your race is not going to be a huge massive effect on you. Exactly. So assuming that you do, are that you are eating well for your body about 80% of the time that you typically follow good nutrition you're getting good fuel you're varying you know the types of food you're eating you're getting in fruits and vegetables and protein and healthy fat and good carbohydrates Go ahead. Before we go there, can I sidetrack? You keep saying healthy fats. Can you give us just real quick, can you sum up the difference between healthy fat and not healthy fat? Well, that also has a lot of nuance in in it. But, you know, when we say... I know, but this is like a complicated thing that people may have heard. So can you kind of maybe tailor it down briefly? So a lot of the like um, healthier fats typically are like avocado, nuts, olives, um, fatty fish like salmon, fish oil... Um, olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil is one of those big questionable ones that a lot of people like to argue over. Okay, so um, if it's a gray area, you can pick your side. Right, but essentially, you you want to you need to incorporate omega three fatty acids in your diet. That's a really good fat that you need to focus on because we typically, as Americans especially, 
get a lot of omega-6 fatty acids. There's a lot of different types of fatty acids. The big ones are three, six, and nine. There's a lot of six in our diet just normally without having to really try. Um, the, we're, most Americans are deficient in omega-3s. So that would be things like salmon, fish oil, flaxseed, um, chia seeds are good healthy fats. And then you can get lots of other healthy fats, like I said, through nuts, olives, avocados, what, those kinds of things. What are your unhealthies? Um, most of the time, like the animal fats are, are typically the unhealthier fats. All right. So as a brief little recap there, if it starts with the name of a plant and is followed by oil or fat, you're pretty much good to go. Not always. I mean, cause like if we look at, there's some really highly processed oils like canola and just vegetable oil. Those are really highly <laughs> processed. It oils needs to that say a don't... specific plant that you would recognize. Um, I don't think most people would recognize a canola sitting growing at the side of the road. No, I mean it's actually the rapeseed plant. I know exactly what, what it actually comes the from. Thing. They just didn't want that to be the name of the, <laughs> the oil. And then no one's no one's gonna pour that all over the stuff. You know what's funny is I saw that on, as an ingredient on I forget what I was looking at, but I was reading the ingredients on the back of something, and it actually used the word rapeseed oil. And I'm like, oh, that's funny because I know what it is because I've done my research. But now you hear that canola, canola oil is not. Oil is not good good for you right so they're going back and using that term again which well, is yeah, kind of funny because if it's an oil that you haven't heard of it's probably new and therefore healthy for you yeah <laughs> be careful with that so does that help is that I, a good list yeah i think you gave us a pretty good list on okay. both sides okay so assuming that you do have a, a generally good diet then let's talk about pre-run fueling okay excellent so, i love pre-run fueling i know all right so when is it necessary to fuel before a run sometimes it's kind of the answer. Yeah. Sometimes it's necessary. If you wake up like super early. Well, I don't even think you have to say necessary because, again, that uh, goes back to depending on the person. Well, yeah, and, and very much the circumstances. So if you wake up super early, and I think we have a lot of listeners that get up and run. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's – I think the majority of our listeners probably do a lot of early morning runs. So if you get up and you're running early but you're running easy, you probably don't need to take in anything. Like you can just kind of get up, get your your body moving enough and head out the door. Maybe have some water. Maybe have some water. Like that's a big one is top off your water levels. Um, but also like right when you get up, you don't need to take in a ton of water because you should be hydrating on a regular basis. Like right before you head out the door and go run is not the time to chug like two liters of water. That's going to be an uncomfortable run. Sure. And it, it also depends on how early like how much before your run you're waking up also because there's some there's people like you kevin like basically wakes up goes to the bathroom and is out the door within like 15 minutes that's the goal i need i need about typically about 25 to 30 minutes to i don't i, I shouldn't say i need it but that's typically what that's I your take. preference that's my preference right I, I i wake up i make sure i go to the bathroom i get some water in me and then i you turn lights on in the house i don't even i, I try and not have any lights on i really? try and just yeah do I wake you up? No, I just know that there are lights on in the house. You've never really talked about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I do at some at sometimes. There are th times that I like accidentally drop something in the bathroom and I feel terrible about it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like drop a big water bottle and wake the entire house up. That's always fun. I've never done that. You did it like one time two oh, years ago. Oh, I did. Like the big metal water metal bottle one. went like clanging across the floor. I'm oh, like, all right, so just, just leave. I'll go put the girls back to bed now. <laughs> Thank you. But... So, yeah, so if, you know, again, this depends on you. And so much of this is you experimenting. So if, if 
half an hour works for you, great. If 15 minutes works for you, fantastic. Some people I know, they need to wake up like an hour before their morning runs because they like to have coffee ahead of time. And then coffee kind of leads to other necessities. Some people swear by coffee because before they can go off for a run in the morning, they need to get things moving. Yeah. And so they put down a cup of coffee and then wait like 15 to 20 minutes and head to the bathroom and then they're ready to actually go off and run. Right, because a lot of runners do have GI issues when they are running. GI upset is unfortunately kind of a typical thing in a lot of runners. And so people want to kind of clear out the pipes before they head out on the run. Right. And so that's that's a good thing. If you're doing a particularly long or very difficult workout early in the morning, one, good luck because the really difficult workout, especially super fast workout early in the morning is a tough one. So you kind of want to get your body moving. And because you might need to be awake and kind of have a longer warm up to that one, having something small that has a few calories might not be a bad idea. It will probably serve you well to take in a little something before you head out the door. Right. And again, this is different for different runners. Like I have this conversation with my running friends all the time. Like, and there are people that eat something and there are a lot of people that run fasted in the morning. And it just depends, like Kevin said, on you, on your body, on how you tolerate these things, how long you need to digest certain things and whether or not you leave yourself the time for it too. Right. That's a big one. Like if you really are, if you're already getting up as early as you possibly can. And so you got to get up and get out and running as quickly as possible. You might not have the extra window to fill in 15 minutes to get up and take in a little something easily digestible, probably mainly carbohydrate. Yeah, you want to keep it simple carbohydrates. Very simple carbohydrates. It's nice and easily digestible and, and starts working in your body. Um, but you might not have that window. And so then your morning runs are pretty much going to be fasted runs and that's okay. That, that has its own thing to it. Exactly. So if you don't run in the morning, if you are more of like a midday runner, afternoon runner, even like an evening runner, you're going to try to, you're going to have to plan your meals a little bit more carefully, right? That's, I think that's another benefit of early morning running is that there's less to plan. Like if I run later in the day, then I'm always like concerned about my meals and I might make sure that I'm timing my meals correctly so that my stomach's not too full when I go out on the run because then that can affect you and then that can lead to cramping. Like people that are very prone to side stitches, if you're running with a, a full stomach, that's that can lead to those kinds of issues happening. Right. But this also goes to your overall healthy diet is you kind of have to plan things out because you want to be able to just keep in, keep taking in normal nutritious meals. So if you're going to run midday, you got to figure out whether you're going to have a full meal like a few hours before or just something sort of small, maybe an hour or two before. If you have a full meal and then it gets like, oh, maybe it's three, four hours later, you're ready to head out. And then that run gets kicked back by something. Now you might need like some sort of small snack. Mm -hmm. Again, this goes back to a similar strategy to getting up in the morning. If you need to take in something, you're going to want something sort of a simple carbohydrate, easily digestible so that it's not a lot of food still sitting in your stomach as you head out the door. Right, exactly. And so that's just kind of for your normal runs. If you are talking about a race, we would suggest giving yourself a little extra time and then having that small or easily digestible meal a couple hours ahead of time. Again, this is based on the length of the run. If you're just running a 5K and you are used to not running with fuel in your stomach, 
Do not wake up on race day and decide to have a little snack and try and go out and see how that goes. Right? Like, go by the mantra of nothing new on race day. Yep. You don't want to like that's what training is for, and that's really one of the reasons like marathon running and marathon training is so long is because you need to start experimenting with these things out on your run. You need to experiment. Am I better with a little breakfast or am I better fasted? Am I better with this type of breakfast or this type of breakfast? Did that irritate my stomach? Okay, next week I'll try something else, right? And that's why marathon training, one of the reasons that marathon training is so long because it's not just getting your legs used to the miles. That's a big part of it, but you also have to get your body used to fueling and understanding what your stomach is able to tolerate, what's going to make your body feel better, what's not. All of this is all part of training. Yeah. And you know, we, you said it quickly, but I just want to highlight this one again, the shorter the distance of your race, the less your pre-fuel matters. 5Ks, your pre-fuel, as long as you're not putting something awkward into your body right before the race, you're probably going to be fine. And by awkward, you mean something that's going to irritate your stomach. Yes, like something that you're not used to eating. <laughs> yeah. Don't try. Hey, I've never ever had that for breakfast before. But maybe, my friend said it works. Maybe today's the day. Yeah. No, it's not. Today is not the day. <laughs> try that tomorrow. Unless you don't really care and you're using the race as an experiment. Sure. And a checkpoint, right? But if your goal is to go out and PR your race or run your personal best, don't do anything new. Not the time for new food. Like you should try that out ahead of time on one of your training runs and see if your stomach's able to tolerate that. (laughs) Raw eggs in the morning. Rocky did it. I'm going to try it today. No, don't do that. (laughs) Not a good idea. All right. So moving on to mid-run fueling. Okay. Again, this is based on how long you are out there running. Because Mm. if you are running under an hour to an hour and a half, you really don't need to take in any sort of fuel other than water, especially if you're in a hot climate, you're going to want to take in some water. But we're talking about actual calories, actual carbohydrates, things with calories or sugar or anything like that. Right. And it also, it's not really exactly a need. Like you will perform better if you're out there for like an hour and a half or more, you're going to perform better with fuel. But I mean, there are people that go out for hours upon hours. Totally. You know, what is that? The math training system. You just train slow enough that your body starts burning its own fat and you can just run for hours and hours. And that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. If you pick up the pace a little bit, your body's going to start trying to burn carbohydrates and you're going to work better if you have some fuel. Right. So it depends on how long you're going. It depends on the intensity level of your run. It depends on your own experience. And it, dep- it depends on the point of that run as well. Because there are a lot of benefits of doing runs in a fasted state. Maybe not all of them, but some of them, right? And this is the big thing because you want to make sure that if you are marathon training or half marathon training in a race that's going to take you more than an hour and a half, you need to practice fueling. That's part of the training. Like we said, you have to practice what you eat before the run, but you also have to practice things during the run because... There are gels, there are jelly beans, there are chews, there's all sorts of things that you can take in now, and you have to figure out what's going to work well for you. Yeah, you have to figure out, and they all come in different flavors, and there's 700 different brands, Mm -hmm. and do you want to take it as one of those, or do you want to just put something into a water bottle that dissolves so you're just drinking all of your calories? That's also a viable option, but you're going to need something. You can have fasted runs, really long runs, that your body becomes super depleted afterwards, and like 
like we said earlier, it teaches your body, whoa, I went into total depletion mode. I need to figure out how to store more carbohydrates. If that's a goal for you because you're trying to run longer and longer, marathon training, ultra marathon training, you need to be able to store a lot of this stuff. You're also going to bring fuel with you, but you want to rely on making sure that your body is storing as much as it possibly can while then supplementing it during the race. Because if... If you come into it able to burn as much fuel out of your body as possible and then give it fuel along the way, that's like double benefit to you. Then you super have enough calories. Super have enough? Is that what I went with? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Then you super have enough calories and enough energy (laughs) to make it through whatever that distance is. Right. So whatever you do choose, if you do you know, decide that you're going to fuel on your longer runs or especially in your races, you want to make sure that you're choosing simple carbohydrates. Okay. And there's a wide variety of choices out there. Um, and so you just have to figure out which one works for you. And I'll go back and tell my raisin story. You got to tell the raisin story. I was going to make you do it. it's, It's a fantastic story because people don't always think of this, right? So I was training for a half marathon and I decided that I was going to use all natural sources. So I had been doing my training using raisins as as my fuel. Raisins are basically pure sugar and I it, it went well. You know, I took yep. them out on my long runs. I would use them during my long runs and I was good to go. So race day came. I had my pack of raisins. I was ready to go and I was getting, you know, I was in into the race mile five. I was going to take my first fuel and I popped a handful of raisins and all of a sudden it was the worst thing ever. Like I felt like all I wanted to do was spit the raisins out of my mouth. The act of chewing, because I was pushing myself that hard, the act of chewing was like too much for me. Like all I wanted to do is just spit them out. So I didn't, I, I, you know, choked them down and I made sure I, I got those raisins in, but that was it. I didn't do it again. Um, throughout the course of that race, I didn't take any more raisins. in, so I fueled once at mile five and didn't fuel again because I just didn't want to chew. Right. And, <laughs> and I think that that points out that even though I tested these out on my long runs, a lot of times when I was out there on my long runs, we would kind of stop and take a little water break and I'd pop some raisins. I had never practiced taking in the raisins when I was pushing at race pace. Right. So a lot of people only practice their fueling on long runs because they're like, well, I don't need to fuel on a five mile run. I'm only going to fuel on like my Saturday or Sunday long run. Yeah, if you want to see how it feels to try and take in that food, do it on one of your workout days. Like, do that on, like, Tuesday speed session. See if you can still take in whatever it is that you're trying to take in and how that goes for you. How does your stomach respond when you're running at race pace or faster? Because if you can't take it in at race pace or that flavor seemed fine when you were just casually on a a long-distance run and chatting with your friends, but suddenly that same flavor is not okay when you're... Like you're really pushing it and you're like, you're digging out of the well at this point. You need a flavor that your body responds to. It it matters and it doesn't matter exactly what it is. It needs to be something that you're willing to take in right there. Right. I I happen to go really well with uh, like chocolate and coffee flavored Mm -hmm. stuff. Other people are like, oh God, the chocolate is the last thing I would want. I Mm -hmm. I do something that's fruity. I'm like, okay, whatever you want. Right. And that's part of the test also. Like some people don't like the consistency of the gels or the goos. They are like, that's disgusting, you know? And so you have to just figure out what works for you. Okay. Um, 
Now, one of the things that you do want to make sure that you are taking in during a run, especially a longer run, is water. Okay, so hydration is different than fuel. Fuel is very subjective. You can try lots of different things, you know, lots of different quantities and all sorts of different things. But hydration, water, is a safety measure, especially um, when the weather is hot or, you know, you're sweating, it's very humid, like it's weather dependent and it's also very connected to your own personal experience. Right. Some people are super heavy sweaters. Some people are super salty sweaters. So like what it is that that you're putting out, this affects you, you know, how hot it is, how sunny it is, how humid Mm -hmm. it is. All of this really matters because the sweat is what your body's doing to actually try to cool you down. It needs to, you need to sweat and then it needs to evaporate. So running down here, we sweat, it's too humid to evaporate and it just drips off. So now you're sweating and it's not doing anything. It's just dripping off of you. So you still need to figure out how much water you need to take in and you need to take in plenty during a race. You basically have to accept that you're going to become dehydrated. Okay. Like it's going to happen as the race goes, you're going to continue getting more and more dehydrated. Like you keep taking water at all the water stops. You're probably still sweating out more than you're taking in. Right. And that's why it's so important to start the race very well hydrated. Like we always try to tell our runners, start with a full tank. Okay. So if you imagine that your water stores are basically like a tank, you want to start with your tank totally topped off. Okay. So that when you're running and the water that you're taking in throughout the race is just basically trying to continuously top off that tank. Like it's going to get down low. Like Kevin said, you're going to get dehydrated, but you can't, if you're already starting with dehydrated, if you're starting with like a half a tank, there's no way you're going to be able to be able to keep up with the hydration needs. Right. You're going to actually get to the bottom of the tank. Cause once you start the race, you basically, you've got your, your water tank there and you've popped a pretty sizable hole in the bottom of it and the water is flowing out. And so every time you hit a water station, you pour a cup of water over the top, but there's a really big hole at the bottom of the tank. So sure it's helping put a little back, a yeah. little bit back into it, but it's not filling up as rapidly as the water's flowing out the bottom side. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that you start with as much in the tank as you possibly can. Exactly. So that takes us to post-run. Okay. So moving on to post-run, what do we do after like a really long run or a really hard workout? What do we know? What do we need to put back into ourselves? And is there this magic window that everybody talks about? All right. Few basic steps. It was long. It was a hard run, whatever it is. Drink some water, Mm -hmm. eat something, make sure there's some protein in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And carbohydrates. And some carbohydrates. But most of what you're probably going to be like craving after a run, once you cool down and the temperature is appropriate, because it's sometimes hard to eat quick after a run because your temperature is pretty high. Um, but most of what people are going for is usually like a carb, like what sounds good is probably carb filled. So make sure that you put some protein into that. People are like, mm-hmm. oh, I could really use like a bagel. I mean, there's a reason why bagels are at the end of every road race. Throw some peanut butter on top of it. Is it because they're cheap? Uh, yes, well, it's also because they're cheap and delicious. They also sound amazing at the end of a race. <laughs> I love watching the, like people at the end of the five k just like load up a plate, and I'm like, oh, I ran a five k. I get six bagels. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't do that. Um, but so yes, make sure you rehydrate and eat something. We had this conversation with our team today. They went out and did a really hard workout. We're like, okay, now you need to remember that you are runners, and you need to get things back into your body because you need to give your body that fuel to build back stronger, okay? Some people talk about this magic 30-minute window, right? You need to eat something within 30 minutes of your workout, and it has to have this magic ratio to it. And 
the studies are just not showing that. Like there, there was some studies that showed that there was an ideal window, um, but pretty much for the most part, if you are a normal human being that's going <laughs> out on a run, you, you, it's not. There's not like a magic window that you need to worry about. If you just get in a, a normal meal one to two hours after your run, you should be good to go for the most part. Right. If you are operating on the level that you're a sponsored athlete, you already have a, your own private nutritionist who's providing all of the meals for you and appropriate macronutrients. Right. We're all real life runners here. So this goes back to the very beginning of the episode. Make sure that you're eating a good balanced diet that has carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in it. So after you finish your workout, just continue along with your day and put in appropriate fuel into your body because you're an athlete and you need to fuel it. Right. And you have to also think about like, when is your next workout? Because that's important also. Like you, you can go longer, right? And essentially your body's learning how to adapt and do different things. Like there's benefits to all different types of things like stay, you know, um, extending the window after your workout and not putting fuel in your body. Like that's a strategy that some people use to kind of teach their body how to be in that depleted state. Um, but then if that's what you're going to do, you need to build in more recovery on top of that. 100%. Because your body's not going to recover as quickly. That's what the fuel helps you to do. Like when you get that fuel into your body quickly after a workout, your body starts the repair process. You're like, oh, cool. I got protein. I'm going to start repairing myself, right? Um, so that's one of the reasons that it's important for you to get that food in right after a workout. Right. As long as what you want to do is recover as quick as possible. This kind of goes into the uh, similar idea of like how quickly should you go into like an ice bath afterwards? Do you want to put on the compression sleeves? Like, mm -hmm. okay, I got in this workout and now I want to like reduce all possible inflammation so that I don't hurt later. Right. Well, if the goal of the workout was to kind of break your body down so that your body can naturally build it back up, the inflammation is what brings in all the like things inside repair your body. Cells. Yeah, it sends all it sends the repair crew in and says, "Oh, we need to build back this area bigger and stronger." So if you just immediately recover, then it doesn't think that it needs to repair bigger and stronger. It says, "Oh, that workout wasn't that hard." So there's something to be said of not immediately fueling every time, but you can't. But, but the, Again, this gets into nuance, okay? And we're not speaking, that's not a good general strategy. It's definitely not a general strategy, and it's not a strategy that you would want to employ every time. Definitely not. It's also only a healthy strategy as long as you still have that base of right. you are overall a very healthy eater. Then every once in a while, that could be a thing that you might want to experiment with. Perfect words. Those are perfect words to use right there. So ideally... You want to get something in about an hour. Within an hour, I would say, is the most ideal. Um, is there a magic window? No, probably not. But is it good for you to get some fuel back into your body, you know, within about an hour or so of working out? You know, an hour up to two hours um, for some people. Fine, but just understand that the longer you go without eating, the longer it's going to take you to recover from that workout. Right, but this also depends on how hard that workout was. Correct. Like, did you go for an easy run that day? Then that magic window is not even a window. It's like, not even a big deal. There's, you just are going to continue with your day. You're going to put some food. You're going to have another meal. It's going to be fine. Right, and people also ask about this magic macro combination, like how much protein to carbohydrates am I supposed to have? And again, there's not a magic thing, but the typical, the most 
most recommended ratio, if this is something that you're concerned about, um, the most recommended ratio out in the literature is a three to one carb to protein ratio. That is, that's the most mentioned. And that's why, you know, chocolate milk got a big push back, you know, what, 10 years, 10, 20 years ago as like the perfect thing to drink after a workout or a race. I feel like race. that was 10-ish years ago or yeah, something around that. Because it had the the correct ratio of carbohydrates to proteins according to the research yeah i'm sure the research was not at all funded by the dairy industry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that but that's that's the typical ratio that you that you do see so basically if you're if you're taking in 30 grams of carbohydrates you want to make sure that you're also getting in 10 grams of protein with that fantastic all yeah. right so we've got what to do before what to do during and what to do after but more importantly what to do always and that is eat a healthy balanced diet yeah and fuel yourself after as a runner, understand that that's a really big part of you being able to train the way that you want to train and hit the goals that you want to hit. If you're depriving yourself and you're not giving yourself the fuel, you're not going to be as strong out there on your runs, okay? So just keep in mind that your nutrition plays a really big role in how your body feels and the things that you're able to accomplish in your running. Fantastic. Does that bring us to our challenge of the week? It does. Nice! But first, a quick reminder that we have some spots available in our group coaching program that we start next week, October 12th. If this is a 12-week program, you get a customized training plan. You get to choose a virtual race to be run on New Year's weekend, either 5K, 10K, or half marathon. You get group coaching with live weekly coaching calls. All of it is included for just $10 a week. So if that's something that you're interested in, if you want to see what you are capable of achieving with a customized training plan that integrates all of your running workouts, all of your strength workouts, all of your mobility work, so that you don't have to figure anything out and you have coaches and a team to support you along the way, plus a virtual race at the end to celebrate your accomplishment, we would love to invite you to join our Real Life Runners training team that program. You can find out more information if you head over to yourrunningplan.com. That can give you all the information that you need and we'd love to see you inside of our Real Life Runners training team. All right, so now it's time for our challenge of the week. Yes! All right, Mm -hmm. so along the line of nutrition, okay, we want you to show us how you are fueling your body as a runner. That sounds like fun. I know. So the challenge of the week, for those of you that are a part of our Facebook tribe, our our Real Life Runners tribe, post a picture of one of your post-run meals and let us know how you're refueling yourself. This is going to be fantastic. I know. I'm going to post something, you're going to post something, and we're going to see just how amazing of a photographer I am when it comes to food. <laughs> oh, will you please post your oatmeal sludge? For you, that you know that's coming. That you eat every morning. Um, so if you're in our group, post it in there. If you're on Instagram, post up your um, your food and make sure that you tag us at Real Life Runners so that we can see that post. Um, and we're going to use the hashtag RLR Challenge of the Week for that one as well. So post up some good runner fuel that you are using to rebuild your body. I'm excited for this one. I am too. All right, so that's the challenge of the week if you choose to accept it. So thank you guys, as always, for joining us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 162. Now get out there and run your life.